Hmm. From the looks of it, I'd say this fellow died from causes unknown. <laughs> Look, there's more. What the heck is this thing? Speaking from a strictly medical point of view, that ain't right. Oh, my goodness. What is it, Lisa? It looks like a human skeleton, but these other bones look almost like wings. You mean like an angel? Well, obviously that's impossible. Lisa's right, it's an angel! <gasps> now that's interesting. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we're here to review Lisa the Skeptic. I am Dando. I am Mitch. How are you, man? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? That was a long pause. Were you expecting me to say more for the first time in the entirety of our podcast? I was um, waking up. I'm just very tired. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. So am I, for, for different reasons, of course. Yeah. You've, you've still got the baby. That hasn't gone anywhere. I had a large Sunday slash Mad Monday uh, to... Mark the end of the cricket season and uh, was operating off one and a half hours sleep. Uh, I've since had a nap, but I still feel groggy. You know, that that thing where it could, well, like it's basically being a new parent. It's that thing where at any given moment you could Grandpa Simpson it and just fall asleep mid-sentence. Should I scream into the microphone to try and wake you up when you fall asleep? Or how do I wake you from my house? Uh, I message Ash to go pinch you or something? Send a crow. Crow? Raven. I've watched all of I've watched all of Game of Thrones, but I haven't paid enough attention to the words that they say. I've not watched Game of Thrones, but I pretty much understand the entire show and know exactly what happened because I have to write about it every single day at work. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I know I know season eight starts soon, and everyone's like losing their shit over it. Yeah, well, and that like it took me a long time. the The issue for me is that like the middle seasons. I was watching, but it was background noise, so I didn't pay enough attention. And then things started to pay off, and I keep having to jump onto a Game of Thrones wiki page to figure out what the fuck is going on. I'm like, who's this guy? Like, he's walked in, and it feels like he's a big deal, but I don't recognize him. We'll stay on Game of Thrones for just one more question. I don't want to derail the show in the first five minutes. Is it true that people just die all the time? As in, main characters are just no one's safe. Main characters get dispatched fairly frequently, although by the time season seven came around, there's a few little fake-outs where it sets it up like, oh, that could be the end, and it's a cliffhanger ending, but you're like, nah, they're, they're down to, you know, five or six people now, and they've got a season. Like, you can not you can only kill so many before it gets to a point where you're like, yeah, they're, they've these, these are core characters. They're not going anywhere. Maybe in the final season but certainly not before the final season. So, Lisa the Skeptic. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was ridiculous at moments, but overall, it was just really fun. Well, elements of it are ridiculous until you've actually sat down. I don't know if you ever watched... Uh, I think Penn and Teller Bullshit did an episode on this, like people going nuts over supposed religious artifacts, like, you know, the Shroud... Of, not the Shroud of Turin, but effectively the Shroud of Turin, Um one person that was trying to sell visits to a door that had the face of a weeping Jesus in it. As in, the door had a couple knots like any natural piece of wood, and he claimed that it looked like Jesus, and people were paying 100 bucks to visit his house. 
So, what wasn't there like a, t- a slice of toast that had Jesus's face on it once on eBay yeah. or something? Yes, there was. So, I don't see this as all that of ridiculous. As, as much as like, yeah, it would take two seconds to debunk this. It takes two seconds to debunk any of those other things, and people still believe it. I once actually saw Jesus in a puddle in Geelong, uh, and was really upset that like I snapped a photo and tried really hard to pretend that I believed and shared that photo, and it went nowhere. What about the in the early days of you know internet memes when, when someone, someone photoshopped a face, face in the smoke, smoke of the, of the, the burning burning towers, towers and people, and people actually, actually believed, believed it? it? Yes, yeah, exactly. So. So in once you framed it like that, is this really that um, far fetched of an episode? Probably not. It's just the idea of an angel's bones. I I read that online, like people saying that you know why would an angel leave bones? But if you're going as far as believing in angels, are you going to draw the line to say that they don't have a skeleton? Well, that's what this show, this episode does really well. Is that sort of highlights how. Uh, it's just because I'm an atheist, but it's just how silly a lot of it seems to me. And people will just, and like Marge says, people need to believe in something, and that's fine. People can believe what they want to believe, but to me, it just seems a little outrageous. Some of the stuff they believe, yeah, quite deliberately, obviously, is the point that they um, that the episode is going for. But I, yeah, I, I, I do really enjoy a lot about the way they have that faith versus atheism uh, approach, or, or, I mean for better word, it is just religion versus science. And I really thought that the conversations with Marge, the entire crux of the episode, that they had those two quiet moments just with Lisa and Marge not being included, it would have been an okay episode, but they lift it to be a really, really great social commentary kind of episode. That dynamic was the best part of the whole thing, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I felt that in comparison to last week's episode that I loved that this had a much more focused story and... It actually, it's taken me until now to realize it, but I think my favorite episodes are ones that don't have a B-plot. As much as I, there have been B-plots that I've loved along the way, and there are some episodes that I enjoy that have them, I, I've always really preferred the ones that almost feel more like a mini-movie. Like, it's it's a well-defined beginning, middle, end story structure that is... Because of how focused it is, it's able to say more on its themes. It doesn't have to discard, you know, a couple of minutes of actual story building to be able to get some laughs at a different scenario. I'm trying to think of an, an older episode that would have benefited from not having the B plot, despite the fact that the B plot was amazing. Uh, I, I always forget where the B plots are, so it would be difficult for me to pull that off the top okay. of my head. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Homer in this episode, whilst what he was doing was just out of this world, the fact that he's, you know, he's trying to, people are paying him to see this this uh, angel. I still feel like it, f- it felt like an old school Homer shenanigan kind of story. You know, it's something that Homer would do. It's kind of like Homer's sugar. You know what I mean? Mm, a little bit. That he just leaps onto a get, a get moderately well off quick scheme. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that he just, he steals the angel and then people, right, they, they could just steal it back. Like, it's not his. Well, possession is nine-tenths of consumerism. I think that's how that works. Uh, what was your favorite moment from the episode? Oh, I, I had a few that I was really waged, like, I was raging to try to pick one. So, how about you give me yours first so I don't steal it, and then I'll give you my few. I loved the scientist going, I'm going to be honest, Lisa, I never did the test. <laughs> and then walking off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so my, my three, and fortunately I haven't stolen any of them. Uh, my three were Homer 
Actually, I actually, I wrote down four. What do you know? I really loved Homer just being super shitty about not getting a motorboat. Just just quietly raging in the car. The animation on his face was fantastic. <laughs> he he mutters a lot lately. What, what was it he yeah. was muttering about um, Lisa telling him off? Because Marge... Oh, it was the Cartridge family. Ah, yes, of course. With the gun. Oh, no, was, oh, he was actually wasn't bitching about Marge. He was bitching about the guy not letting him have a gun for five days. Yeah, sorry, you're right. It was about the yeah the waiting period. But what were your, what were your other favourite moments? The other favourites of mine... Uh, a couple Lovejoy lines that I've really liked. Science mm-hmm. has failed once again in the face of overwhelming religious evidence. Yes. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, shall we sing Be a afraid. hymn? Be afraid. Shall we? Oh, Flanders asking if we should sing a hymn or Amazing Grace. Mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and Smithers just throwing it all on the, like throwing it all out there and planting a kiss on Mr. Burns. From this day forward, your name shall be... New names for the episode. What do you got for me this week, Mitch? Uh, I, personally, or from the patrons first? You go first, and then patrons. Okay. Uh, I went with Angels and Discounts. Mm-hmm. I like it. That little, little really works. Good work. play, play on Angels and Demons, the very little scene Tom Hanks, Ron Howard vehicle. What did you think of the, the big reveal at the end, the fact that it was just a big bait and switch? Like, Did you think it was obvious, or do you think it's just obvious when you've gone back and watching it for a second time? No, of course it's obvious. I remember as a kid, like it, it felt obvious. Like it, it felt obvious as a kid going, "Oh yeah, I should have realized that." But I, th- I think they they left it long enough where you'd sort of forgotten about it by that point. Uh yeah, I suppose. But I mean, like they have a scheming conversation in whisper. That always means that, that something's coming going to pay off. Yeah, well, that was the one thing when we were going back and watching it this time was that I was like, oh, yeah, they make it really obvious that they're up to something. I never mm. remembered that. Yeah. Nicole DeMaria suggested you'll have to speak up on where I'm using a trowel, which has, I believe, <laughs> got good. the most amount of likes on the page. Um, Nicole occasionally goes out on little archaeological type finds as well and was asking how this ranks for accuracy when it comes to this type of dig. She said that it's similar to the type of dig that you do. Uh, open to the public that you know so something that the locals like to use day to day they don't really get to use tiny brushes to clean artifacts artifacts in the trench so this is more of like a public relations dig is it like mining for gold at uh sovereign hill kind of style um where you pay five bucks uh, not so much about getting people to come into it i think it would be more like once you would i I reckon once a paleontologist has found a fossil then they might go, come check out the dinosaur dig. And then all the pain- paleontologists are there with the little brushes that they only use when people come by. Just to make people think that all of paleontology is the success of finding fossils. Which recently, um, some news broke that the, some uh, a really, really cool find of what they believe is a crash site from the asteroid or meteor that hit Earth to kill the dinosaurs. Um, really? Yeah, like that. There's there were some amazing photos of these fossil of like fo- fossilized fish that had been thrown up out of the ocean from the waves that were forced and that sort of stuff. I can hear you typing, so I assume you're looking it up now. I am right now. It, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's it's a truly it's one of those things that scientifically I was like, holy shit! Like that is a truly amazing discovery that they could kind of see all of the chaos that that rained down. That there's bits of like molten glass that's been found because basically earth and dust and rock and all that sort of shit got thrown up into the atmosphere and then was superheated and came back down as glass 
and ended up being was fos- that 60 fossilized. million years ago? 60, 60 million? 65, 66. Yeah. So, yeah. They were like, and then they could see in the layers slightly above that, like all of these ferns and that sort of thing, that they were like it was literally the ecosystem trying to get itself back to life. Uh, wow. It's a... It's, it's, they said that it's basically like a time warp into a literal hell. I just typed crash site dinosaur, got nothing. What would I have to Google to find what you were just discussing? Oh, um. Oh, here we go. North Dakota fossil site reveals day massive meteor hit Earth. Found it. Yep, that'll work. Researchers uncover, it was ABC News. Researchers uncover 66 million old fish fossils from the day the dinosaurs died. Never happened though, did it? Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, those fossils aren't real. Uh, I feel like we need, to, we need to be very, we need to tread very carefully with this podcast. Tread I, was, very I was going to say that there's going to be a really, really big shopping center opening up in North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So let's get into some patron new names. By the way, if you want to contribute to the new name segment, you just got to become a patron. Two dollars plus, you get access to the Facebook group and podcasts and prize draws and so much more. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's all for Patreon plugging this week. Mitch, what have we got for new names? Steve Matthews, H- uh, Angels with Filthy Malls. Uh, which is a th- <laughs> now that's a deep cut reference to Home Alone, um, Angels with Filthy Souls. Yeah, you'd be impressed that I actually knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Bevan, the fr- the fresh Prince Nipple Skimsker. See, I didn't look it up on Frinky Act, but I was like, I hope Mitch has found out exactly what Ralph says there. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, and I'm not sure it was exactly what Mike said, but it's close enough. Mike, yeah. I do have Frinky Act open, so I'll get there when oh, I'll find out yeah, when yeah. we get there. Uh, it, he also suggested Science Girl Interrupted, which is uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that's not a bad reference as well. Joanne Vu, A Price Match Made in Heaven. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Mitchell, Jesus Saves, brackets, 25% on all glassware at Pottery Barn, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that Mo wanted? Was it Rat Traps, Rat Poison? Uh, yeah, 20% off Rat Poison. Yeah. And Beck Lehman, Angels in the Outlet Mall. Uh, nice little reference to Angels in the Outfield. I was trying to work out an Angels in the Outfield reference. That's well played, sir. Yeah, that'll do. There's there's heaps more. So, uh, I mean, the other fun of being a patron, I know you said no more plugs, but you can actually read all the ones that I don't read out live. Otherwise, it would take too long. Yes. But thank you to everyone who contributed this week. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week, Mitch. Can I kick off? Am I allowed to? Please do. It's your show. What color boat does Homer choose? Yellow. Yellow. That is correct. What a bad colour for a boat, yellow. It's easier for going over the side, like for having a whiz over the side. Yeah, I guess so. And surely as a Beatles fan, you'd be right on a yellow boat. Nah, see, I, I was never a fan of the whole yellow submarine thing. Like, I just I just never got it. The whole, like, the, the animated series and everything, just, yeah, it wasn't my thing. Fair enough. Uh, my first question, what was the name of the location for the Mega Mall? I was in the site. Yeah, there was like a, yeah, the geographical name. Ah, uh, no idea. Sabretooth Meadow. Sabretooth Meadow. When when do they mention that? Is that, is that does Lisa say it or something? Does she? It's when they first pull up and she says, yeah, there's yeah. just like that's Sabretooth Meadow," which I like because it's just a very literal name. If you found a bunch of fossils somewhere, it makes sense that it might be called Sabretooth Meadow because there could have been a Sabretooth fossil. <laughs> it's like in Geelong, yeah, you know, we we saw a paddock. And there's lots of seagulls in it. So, what do we call it? Seagull paddock. <laughs> I didn't know that that existed. That's that's a depressing fact about the town that we live in. <laughs> you know you know the area behind uh, Maccas in North Geelong? Oh, Bogan Park. <laughs> yeah, Seagull paddock. <laughs> is it really? That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, my next question is, what did Lisa not sue the school for? Uh, uh, she found a scorpion in something. 
Uh, yep. was was it? Ah, uh, what was the food she found it in? It's not. Was it a cold food or a hot food? It's a fruit. It's a fruit. Apple pie. Apple sauce. Ah, oh, apple sauce. Son of a bitch. Yep, fair enough. But do you eat that hot or cold? I don't eat it, so I wouldn't know. I think apple sauce is traditionally served cold. So you'd cold, have like okay. cold or room temperature apple sauce on a roast pork or something like that. Uh, what item connects this episode with Lisa the Iconoclast? What? So say that again, sorry? Say what? what item? There is a, there is a visual. Oh, there it's is in Homer's closet. It's the bell. Yeah, the bell and town crier hat. Well spotted. I actually got a list of as many things I could notice in that closet. I fucking I loved that reference. Yeah, like it's I don't I, I don't normally like it when they back reference previous episodes, but this was just cool. The fact that he's collected all these mm. things, I just like that. Yeah, that um, was a very good. And one. my final question is: How many times has Lisa appeared on Smartline? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Well done. Three from three this week. Well, well, mm. two and a half from three. My final question is: What number were the dice showing when they were hanging above the skeleton? Oh fuck, that's a brain buster. I'm gonna say it was it was two, yeah? There were two dice, yes. Yeah. Um one and six? Uh two and five. Damn it. Oh well. <laughs> Alrighty. Mitch, anything else you wanna tell the listeners before we get into our review of Lisa the Skeptic? No. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay then. Uh, the original air date for Lisa the Skeptic was November 23rd, 1997. The couch gag was the living room, or the chopboard gag, I should say, was I will not tease fatty, which, I don't know, it's just, who do you think is the fatty? Who do you think he's teasing? Because Bart, Bart's kind of pudgy in himself. I was going to say, at various times, it is Bart. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it's Uta. Did, mm. you, did you have the, the designated fat kid that people teased at school? Oh, uh, yeah, but I don't want to get into it. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have gotten involved with it, neither did I, but there was always like the No, the thing is, I fat. did. Like, I did get involved in it, and I'm ashamed of it now, obviously. Oh, okay. But, you know, yeah, I was a kid. I was I, an arsehole. I, I remember looking at, yeah, I remember looking at um the kid, and he'd be like eating all this junk food at lunch, and I'm like, dude, you're not helping yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it was, anyway. Actually, I will, I don't know if this is better or worse, but it was. I, I don't think I would. I had ever done it to anyone in a way that would have gotten back to them. It was more typically just snide comments amongst my friends, but um, but still stuff that I I don't look back on with a great source of pride. But you're immature, you do things like that. Yeah, what, what, uh, we'll save it for another like a Patreon exclusive or something. But I want to hear about the the meanest shit you did as a child. Oh fuck no. <laughs> that's, that's a box that's staying closed, my friend. <laughs> like, I think of the funny, mean things that I did. Like the time that I went to a friend's place for the first time ever to stay around for dinner and found out that his mum was making a lasagna and then afterwards, very deadpan, told her that I was a vegetarian. And I've never seen a, I've never seen the colour drain from a woman's face quite so quickly. <laughs> So you were, were you pretending like you didn't know there was meat in it, or were you pretending like you were trying to make her feel bad for making you eat meat? No, it was before she'd actually served it. So I found, I spoke to AJ. I was like, "What's for dinner?" He's like, "Lasagna." I went, okay, sweet. We were just playing a computer upstairs, and then she came up. I was like, "So, um, Mrs. Mrs. AJ, what's what's for dinner?" She's like, oh, "I've made a lasagna." I'm like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I should have told you. I'm a vegetarian." And um, <laughs> she nearly fell back downstairs, and then I. 
fell over myself to apologize. <laughs> so I was like, no, 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 I'm so sorry. And then she almost didn't believe the apology. She believed the lie because she, she yeah. thought I was just apologizing to be nice. I'm like, no. And you thought you were just going to eat it to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, seriously, I stopped for a meat pie on my way here. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I carry meat in my pocket. Do you want some? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the couch gag was the living room is a sauna and there's the three old guys. I would have appreciated this more if it was three characters that we know, like Jasper, Grandpa, and the old Jewish guy or something. Oh, yeah, that would have been kind of cool. But, uh, they're just hanging out in the sauna. The Simpsons all wearing towels all rock up as the three men glare at them. I, have you ever been into a sauna yourself? Uh, have I ever been a sa- in a sauna on my own? Yes, I have. On your own? I was just going to say, yeah. have you ever been in one? Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, like, I, I used to when I went to the pool, but I haven't been in one for a long time. I know I... Went into one and made the mistake of just walking straight out into like the cold pool, and that didn't uh, go down well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I can see you I, being somebody that really likes to sit down and just have an old chin wag in a sauna, though. No, I like to be quiet. I prefer to just go in and have a moment and get it as hot and as steamy as I possibly can. I like it to be one of the wooden ones where you pour the water over the hot rocks mm. and just sit and see how close to death you can get before you walk out. That's exactly what it's like. How much of a man am I? Yeah. Some people like to go mountain climbing without ropes to test themselves. I like to literally cook my insides until I feel like five more seconds and I wouldn't have the strength to make it to the door. <laughs> I just always have the fear that the door's not going to open. No, I've never I've, I've never had that issue. I just kick that stuff down. <laughs> uh, so, the episode kicks off with the police... Uh, hosting a fake boat giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed Eddie's wisecrack here. I liked when the chief, when Chief Wiggum compliments them on their wisecracks. Yeah, good, good one. Good, good work, Eddie. Good work. <laughs> it's not often that Eddie's the one making the jokes. It's usually Lou. Yeah, that's very true. Did you know, like I'm going to get straight into a Simpsons in real life story, that there was some yeah. police off, uh, like a cop department in South Yorkshire actually did this scam? And it fooled 21 people into being arrested. This actual boat scam? No, it wasn't boats. They did a thing called Operation Holly. Uh, So, this is from Indy100.com. Operation Holly involved police sending cards from a fake company to the addresses of some of their most wanted felons on the promise of receiving a free Christmas hamper. Cards claiming to be from (laughs) Herald Hampers offered the recipients bottles of champagne, wine, Christmas pudding and other treats. If they fancied these generous free gifts, all they had to do was arrange a delivery time for their hamper to be dropped off at their home. Except, it was the police that turned up. 21 people fell for this. In two days, criminals wanted for burglary, assault, fraud, drink driving, dangerous driving, drug-related offences, and harassment were all rounded up and arrested. It's amazing what can be achieved with a leg of ham, eh? Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's so... It, it, the article does say it's unclear whether The Simpsons actually influenced the decision. This is post-Simpsons. This is post the episode, yeah. So, it's not like The wow. Simpsons made fun of it. It's, this is another Simpsons predicting the future. That's Well, it's not even predicting the future. It's just they gave police yeah. the idea. It's like yeah. they taught the police how to do their job. I, I would love to think that they just got a young station sergeant who went, oh, you know what I reckon we could do? I was just I was watching this DVD the other night. And <laughs> let's just do this. It's probably like something that they, they thought they'd try expecting nothing as well. Mm. And then just, get, just getting 21 of the most wanted criminals. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been great if they got like a real big mafioso or something. Oh, it'd be amazing. And at the end of it, so when's my ham arriving? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, where's my hamper? 
I was going to actually ask you, I wonder if real criminals would fall for this, but you've already answered that question for yep, me. There you so go. Moving along. So, <laughs> uh, Bart then questions Homer, because you know, even Bart's not falling for this. He's like, we didn't enter any competition, but mm. as Homer says, it doesn't matter. We won. Yeah. Um, I did like that he's wearing his captain hat. I thought it was cool. He's like, he's already, he's in the mood. <laughs> Can I actually point out, by the way, that, so this little pre, pre-episode gambit, the sort of thing where normally it doesn't have any real reference or relation to the episode. It just exists to get them somewhere. And then, you know, in this case, as they're driving back, they see them all. But in this case, this opening two minutes is almost like the entire episode in a microcosm in that Homer sees something, believes it to be true, other people are skeptical, but he just goes along with the fact that, like, no, this is my card, the card is real, and this is my evidence. And then the rug gets pulled out from under him, and he finds out that the whole thing was a uh, fake all along. You're a very clever man. Hmm. Do, do you reckon David S. Cohen, as he's gone by at this point in 1997, meant for that uh, to be true? Or do I you think he just wanted the Simpsons family out and about driving in the car? I'd be really, really surprised if the writer didn't make that connection. It's not like I'm reading into something saying, oh, the use the, the use of the colour blue kept reoccurring or something like that. Like, I feel like that is a pretty, like, they're, they're two pretty common themes that exist right there. I'm just having a look through some of David Cohen's writing credits on The Simpsons, by the way. So, Lisa the Vegetarian is one of his, uh, I mean, co-contributor, 22 short films, we'll ignore that. Much Apoo About Nothing is one of his, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. Lisa the Skeptic, obviously, Dust Bus, Bart the Mother. So, quite often, he he has tackled the sort of episodes that do tell that big story arc that I was talking about and uh, often about some pretty important themes. And so, I, I feel like he's a guy that probably is a very deep thinker about the about what he's actually writing about and what his work is. Well, it's no wonder he was the head writer of Futurama. Anyway, sorry, back to what we were doing. Homer refuses to believe it. <laughs> Yeah, he just walks in whistling, wearing his boating hat. Um, I'd like a yellow before boat, the, please. Before then, though, did you see as the car arrived, did you see Lou look at the door and quickly close it? I just oh, like yeah. that little touch. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> cool. Like, they're all just, they're putting on a play. It's um, yeah. it's kind of cute. <laughs> I'd like a yellow, mo- be- mo- yellow motorboat, please, with extra motors. I love Snake. Yo, no cuts, bro. Where's my motorboat, yeah. pig? <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> and Wiggum's giggle as he's walking in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I also really dug the line, I call brutality on you. It's like, (laughs) I don't know, this just feels like such a 90s kind of code of honour. Like, to call something on someone. I call shenanigans. (laughs) Yes, I call shenanigans, yes. (laughs) I call bullshit. Yeah. I actually, I still say it to this day, I call bullshit. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't mind that. Homer, despite watching this entire thing, still just goes for it. (laughs) Yeah. He's seen him be arrested wrong? and be brutalized. You're next. Woohoo! Did you say Jimmy the scumbag was in there as well? Oh, was he? No, I didn't spot that. But Homer's forced to pay for the fines. It's, it was a 235 fine, totaling $175. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dad, why aren't you saying anything? Where's our motorboat? I didn't like it. The mast had termites. Why would our motorboat have a mast? Because the thingy was. Shut up! His response here to Lisa, it's. Immature, but it's just real. When you just can't think of something, just shut up. <laughs> Why would I have to explain myself to you? You're a child. <laughs> the, this is another like another moment as well where we're introducing that Lisa is questioning things. The mast had termites. Why would a motorboat have a mast? Like she just instantly is a sort of step ahead and just not accepting what she's been told. 
How do you feel they handled Lisa in this? Well, I mean, Yadley was great in in the mm. delivery, but do you think she was not rude, but she wouldn't accept that Marge just wanted to believe something? She, oh, she was just very she ridiculed Marge and yeah, made her let feel me, silly. Let me come to that when we get to that moment in the episode. But I yeah, right. They write her, I think, to represent a very particular type of person, and then show that she has a. A change when she gets a bit later in uh, later in the episode, but we'll deal yeah. with it when we get to the actual dialogue. So I want to pick it apart a little bit. So Lisa's hired. Oh no, they, they see the um the mall out the window, mm-hmm. and she's annoyed that they're going to be building it on the um on the site of all the fossils. And Lisa here, who wants to complain with me? Like that's such a Lisa thing, isn't it? She's found <laughs> yeah. something to complain about. Yeah, <laughs> no one. Well, who wants to come back with me? <laughs> Fine. Lisa has hired Lionel Hutz to help her with the court case mm-hmm. um, to sue them. He's got nothing but a sandwich and a, an old apple in his uh, briefcase. But I do love when he laughs at her, <laughs> when they're laughing at her. Like, what are you going to do about little girl or something like that? And then they all start laughing at it and Hutch joins in. Yeah. He's just a terrible lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always lovely. I know we're getting to, well, next week's the final episode featuring Lionel Hutz in a speaking mm. role, I believe. Yeah, with Reality Bites, yes. It's nice to get as much um, Hutz as we can, isn't it? Yeah. Also the final episode that I reviewed in our book. So um, it'll be interesting to go back over. Yeah, so they are discussing it with the we'll call it what the the site managers or the mall mall managers. What are we going to call these guys? Uh, well, definitely. The owners? No, they're not site managers because they were in suits and hard hats. Yeah. So I think they're more. Yeah, let's go corporate honchos. Yeah, corporate honcho. Oh, that's the dream to be a corporate honcho, right? Oh, is it what? It's it's like one step below corporate fat cat, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> fat cat. So I've just been watching Mad Men. Um, we're up to like season oh, three. Yeah, they're honchos and fat yeah, cats. Yeah, they are serious honchos. Um, there's a couple of fat cats in there as well, but it's just like, I wish men were still this stylish. <laughs> yeah, but without the chauvinism and being assholes. Oh, the, the, the only thing about this show is I'm finding it, it's a good show. I'm finding it hard to enjoy though because nobody is likable. There's um, nobody to root for. There's nobody to root for. Peggy. You can like, you can like Peggy. And yes, yes, and no. Um, yes and Saul, no. I think I, I don't think there's any problem with uh, Saul. Sal, sorry, Sal, like the the closeted uh, gay man in the art department. He's. I was going to say he's the only spoiler alert for people watching who haven't watched it yet. Um, oh, please! It's pretty obvious when you, <laughs> pretty obvious when you watch him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he's the only one that yeah that you can kind of sort of not relate to, but just go. Oh yeah, I hope he you know gets a, keeps his job and feel, I hope yeah, he has a you good feel sort very of very sorry ending. for him. Yeah, yeah, but um, I, I, like the character of um Don Draper is just a terrible person. Oh yeah, he's an awful human, but he's just a fascinating character study of an awful human. Uh, I do wish, particularly working in a bank, I wish that you could still just wander into an office and pour yourself a scotch as part of an afternoon meeting. Like that, that's a part of life that I think we need to get back to. You can't just have a conversation; you have to have a drink in your hand. It's yeah. great. I used to work with a guy who would print a new madman image and screen like and um quote and just leave it in my front uh, top drawer at work every week <laughs> it would just be it would be don uh don and oh crap i've Betsy? gone no 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 the white hair um oh the old dude um s that's of s yeah. uh, oh, oh, what's ah. the um, what's the what's the firm called shit i know who you mean anyway yeah. I know who you mean roger sterling sterling Jesus. It was s yes yeah. oh man that was so. This is going to hit the cutting room floor. This will be the bit that you put on the <laughs> post show now. But I, uh, one of them was just like Don, 
I think they were trying to do an ad campaign. It's like, what do women want? Slattery as he's pouring scotch. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And it's what is interesting, we've just watched the episode where they pull the pin on Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah, yep. I'm just like, wow. Imagine if that really happened. (laughs) It's kind of like the people that turned down Star Wars or turned down Seinfeld. Well, like imagine imagine having that on your resume, the guy that turned down Seinfeld. I'm sure there is an agency that did. A lot of what they deal with and a lot of the campaigns that they deal with are either real campaigns or allusions to real campaigns in real life. So uh, there's every chance that that was based in fact without having looked it up. Um, okay. We'll end this little segment and this tangent with my Don Draper impression. What? There we go. That's, <laughs> That's it? it? That's it. There's a YouTube smash cut compilation that is five minutes of him just saying what in different styles. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, they've just come up with the idea. You know, she's pitched the idea about the um, the dig. You know, don't build your mall here because there's a fossil site. They go, well, hang on a minute. Good good PR here. Um, so, you know, okay, well, they're obviously up to something. Mm-hmm. They come back. They agree that she can do the dig. Okay. You want to dig? Be my guest. Fine. We'll see you in court. Mr. Hutz, we won. We. And we get another Hutz moment later on, which I which I did appreciate as well. Um, but for now, Lisa has now gone to Skinner's office. She's mm-hmm. calling in her favour because she didn't sue the school, which is a scorpion. Great, great lighting. Great lighting on Skinner as he turns to the windows and the blinds just like cutting across his face. Mm, yeah. I knew this day would come. Like a flashback, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, the favour is that all the kids are essentially having an excursion to the digging site. Yeah. All the good kids get to go on an excursion, all the bad kids are having detention, essentially, being punished by going to the digging going site. Going on an excursion. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the vibe of the, of this scene, of the, of the dig. Just the kids out and about, Skinner in his little uniform, having a great time, just excited over a mound of dirt. Yeah, uh, that he thought was a rock. The gonna dig me a hole song always gets stuck in my head if I have a shovel in my hand, which yep, is... Okay. Few and far between, I'll be honest, but if it ever happens. Or, more to the point, if I'm driving past some roadworks and see someone with a shovel in their hand, that's more when it's likely. Are we the nerds that will get put in those holes, do you think? Uh, uh, I was always slippery enough to not get caught, so no. (laughs) (laughs) Ralph here. Ralph's on form. They've really, really dumbed down the character by this point. I Yes, Ralph has gone full... I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say it anymore. Let's go, he's gone full Tropic Thunder. <laughs> That's a nice way to get around it. The whole point of that is you can get away with saying it in a movie. Yeah. But the fact, the joke was that he shouldn't say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, whatever he's gone, he's gone all he's the gone way that. there. Yes, yes, yes. He's mispronouncing names and whatnot. Um, finds his spearhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did like, though, when he screamed and ran off when Lisa says they could find a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, okay. It's not like I didn't like it, but it was also like, ah, oh, yeah. Well, they've really laid in laid that on thick. They're consistent now with him, at least. Mm. And in, yeah, you true. find most most of the most iconic Ralph moments come from this era. Like you got the Das Bus, like go go, go banana. banana, yeah, yeah. You got this scene. I know you got. Uh, I bet my Wookie and the um, I Love Lisa episode. But before, after that, it's all stuff from like season nine onwards. Really, Super mm. Nintendo Charmers season ten. Can I point out that? Uh, I really, really loved the lighting in the next little scene when it's cut to dusk, basically, and they're packing everything up and going away, and Lisa starts frantically trying to find something. 
the the color change in the sky is something that I don't think we've ever seen in The Simpsons in this particular color before. And it was a, a kind of parody of a shot from Indiana Jones, and I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. But uh, even if you hadn't seen that, it just looks really, really cool. Remind me of the colors. Was it like a purpley haze or...? No, it's an orange, like a fiery sky. It's, yep. it's yeah, yep, it's yep. a really cool sunset color. Yeah, well, I, I've mentioned before that I really like the, the early morning sky as well. Mm. I think yeah, just that's it just got feels like different. a pinkish yeah, hue. You don't get yeah. much of it, which is why it stands out. Yeah, I did like Skinner's line of "Let's go home to our mothers." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, so then Lisa hits something, uh, and. You know, brings everyone back across. They start trying. She's just to... desperate, isn't she? She, she, like, the, yeah. She can't handle the fact that they haven't found anything yet. There's got to mm. be something here, you know. Yeah. Then, as she's looking, a crowd starts to gather. Uh, Homer, let me through. I got here late. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, <laughs> as she uncovers a skeleton, and then I, I like Hibbert. From the looks of it, I'd say this fellow died from causes unknown. Like, yeah, thanks, Doc. He offers nothing here, does he? Yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then tries to claim the, the angel later on. I think I should keep it. <laughs> Speaking strictly from a uh, medical point of view, that ain't right. Um, I, the, the, all the townspeople arrive. I'm assuming this has happened over a you know, half an hour period. Yeah, presumably. Because yeah, she's, she's um, got the whole skeleton um, undusted. Fully uncovered now. Yeah. Uncovered, yeah. Um, not, quite, not the wings yet, though. But I, I just like it when... When the whole town sort of in one scene, I just mm. like that vibe that when you just got this old blend of characters like Sideshow Mel with Lionel Hutz and Moe and Hibbert all just hanging out in the same area together. It just creates this really interesting dynamic and yet interactions with characters that you wouldn't normally get interactions with. Yeah. Anyway, she when she uncovers the wings, very tellingly, it's Flanders that suggests and sort of plants the seed that it could be like an angel, which yeah makes sense, but it's that thing of what your natural predisposition predisposition is is what you're going to believe and which path you go down and people just sort of buy into it yeah uh, but majority of springfield though are very religious well they all go to church for the most part so yeah yeah are there any are there any actual atheists in springfield i don't know if it's ever been strictly mentioned not too sure but i feel like yeah. uh religion is certainly a common thread throughout the majority of them but i do like the well obviously that's impossible lisa's right it's an angel <laughs> Like it's- yeah. Mo Mo has some great one-liners in this, doesn't he? Yeah. If you're still sure what it ain't, how about tell us what it am? <laughs> Homer's line, now that's interesting. I'm wondering if that, like the way it was delivered, it was like that was a reference to a TV show. Yeah, it's just, I, I right here, what was with that? As just a standalone line, it's just a nothing line. Surely it's got to be a reference to something. Yeah, if I Google it, not a huge amount comes up. It didn't need it, I, I guess. And it, it just wasn't, it wasn't funny, was it? No, no. But anyway, like, may, unless it was an ad or something, maybe it was just something that was popular at the time. Possibly, possibly. We come back from commercial, and Lisa, she just doesn't believe it at all. Um, that's why mm. I said Mo has a line, so sure what it ain't, tell us what it am. She suggested it could have been a Neanderthal that got bitten by some was it angry fish. Or <laughs> angry fish, yeah. yeah. Um, and Neanderthal that looks much like Homer, which I enjoyed. But yeah, I, I like how quickly she's come up with that on the spot. And Wiggum... Everyone's heard of angels, but who's ever heard of a Neanderthal? It could be anything. It could be a mutant from the nuclear plant. Oh, fiddle-faddle. Everyone knows our mutants have flippers. Oops, I've said too much. Smithers used the amnesia ray. You mean the revolver, sir? Precisely. Be sure to wipe your own memory clear when you're finished. Now, regardless of what this thing is, 
It's a priceless scientific find, so our most pressing concern now is determining who owns such a valuable skeleton, and I'd like to suggest that I do. Hey, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I'd like to hear from Lionel Hutz. It's a thorny legal issue, all right. I'll need to refer to the case of finders versus keepers. Oh, we can work this out, friends. In the spirit of sharing, let's say we simply place the sacred bones and... Dylan, suckers! Just a, a quick thing here, like the most unbelievable part of this entire story is the superhuman strength that would have been required from Homer to hoist that out of the ground and onto his car unassisted. And tie it up and everything without anyone knowing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the things that I can see in his cupboard. Uh, it looks like we've got a... Hang on, two seconds. So there's a fishing hat, which looks like it harks back to the fight against General Sherman. The Billy Beer, the War obviously. Of the Sorry, yes, War of the Simpsons. Is that a bowling trophy that I see up the top right corner? Yeah, the- so I, I like this because it means that even though he got attacked by the dogs, he still got the trophy in the end. Yeah, uh, the bowling ball behind said trophy. There's what looks to be a photo of a fish next to the hat. Now, I don't know if that's a different fish or if that's just alluding further to General Sherman. There's the uh, town cry hat and bell that we mentioned, the Billy Beer, obviously. Boxing gloves from the home of they fall. A Grammy. Mm-hmm. I can't quite make out what the bag is. It's Homer's sugar. Ah, Homer's sugar is in there. That's amazing. He's got his hat yeah. from when he was the manager of Lurleen, Mr. Sparkle Dishwasher, couple heads from Itchy and Scratchy Land, and his space helmet. Uh, and as you see on the wall there, on the side, Mr. Plow Jacket. Oh, is that what that is? I thought that was a blackboard. Nope, it's his Mr. Plow Jacket. <laughs> That's very cool. Very, very good. But yeah, so that, that's, that's a, a, they are some really cool, yeah, again, some deep cut references. Now, I looked at the wrong Carter. That reference is lost on me. Like I'm assuming, I know it means the president, but what was, how's that in relation to Billy Beer? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Billy Beer, Jimmy Carter. Uh, uh, okay, so Billy Beer was promoted by Billy Carter. Jimmy was Billy's older brother. Ah, okay. Makes perfect sense now. Thank you mm. for explaining it to me. I could have done a quick Google search and learnt that, but no, I spent the last 20 years misunderstanding that joke. <laughs> That's all I did. <laughs> Homer's uh, news... Of, oh, they're watching the news as the report on the um, on the scam. This is going to be some good watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flanders then knocks on the door and he wants to... to this actually might have been my favourite moment. So, Flanders wants his family to see the angel. Get your own angel, you moocher. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought the delivery of that was just fantastic. Yeah. I love Agnes then comes in. She wants to rub the angel with her foot. It's foot surgery. Hey there, Marge. Just brought the kids over to share a prayer with the blessed angel, if it's okay with you. Get your own angel, you moocher. Thanks anyway, Homer. Oh, hello, Agnes. Sorry to trouble you, but I'm going in for surgery tomorrow, and I wondered if I could rub the angel with my foot for good luck. It's foot surgery. Hey, I'm trying to eat here. Beat it, peg leg. Jackass. Marge. Hey, you want to see the angel? Come on, Homer. I just want a quick look-see. Pay a buck. A buck, eh? That gives me an idea. 50 cents, please. This is how someone, like, for example, you know, in the mid-90s, because everyone's got a pull now, but 
in the mid nineties, mm. if you had a pool over summer, all the kids would want to come to your house all of a sudden. I don't. Be your I fan. don't know that everyone has a pool. Neither of us do. Oh, true. A lot more people <laughs> have pools now. Okay. But I feel like pools are a lot more affordable now than they were twenty years ago. Uh, in grand pools, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know, but I just don't want. Maybe the I, maybe I'm just friends with people with a lot of money. Maybe it's that. <laughs> I just don't want the friends of the, sorry the listeners of Four Finger Discount to think that we live in some dreamland where everyone has a pool. Oh no, I'm I'm in a spare room in my house covered in pop vinyls and shit. Like it's just <laughs> I okay. am not rich by any means. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I just, I just love that scene. Does they find your own Andrew Mitch is great, but then Marge just she knows. Okay, if I'm going to open that door, everyone's going to be there. They're all there. They want to see the angel. Lenny suggests I'll pay you a buck. Homer has an idea. Fifty cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that to me is just classic Homer. That's that's really well written. It was very good. Here's the angel, see the angel. It's my angel. No one else is next to the rakes. Now, the the I had to actually look up the um the words to the song here because I never actually knew what he says. So it's see the angel. It's my angel. No one else's next to the rakes. Really, oh, man. Okay. Not even funny. Not even funny. But I had no idea what he... If you actually listen to it, I listened to it like two or three times and I still couldn't make out what he says. But he says, yeah, it's my angel, no one else's, next to the rakes. Yeah, right. This, um, I, I, I thought it was going to be better. I, I thought it was going to be better than that. I was very underwhelmed. <laughs> well, I guess if Homer came up with it, the whole thing is just how cheesy and bad it's, it is. It's meant to be corny, yeah. I did like the leaf over the genitals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very funny. Um, or where the genitals would be. Obviously, it's just going to be a pelvis. Of course. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Lisa points out that, you know, it's unfair to be calling it, claiming it as an angel because there's no proof that it is. Uh, she points out to Homer all of the times that he's used the word angel. That's a typo. It's a reference to uh, the old BYOBB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she sneaks uh, into the garage at night and takes one of the toes, one of the bones, um, goes to the Museum of Natural History, knows the whale is still alive, but it seems to be having a good time up there. It's not upset, unlike the uh, the killer whale that Mode stole all those seasons ago. <laughs> um, is Stephen Gould, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Gould, yeah. Astonishing, simply astonishing. One of the most singular specimens I've encountered in all my distinguished career. But enough about my work. What did you want to show me, Lisa? It's a bonus scraping from that skeleton I found. Oh, yeah, the so-called angel. The whole thing's preposterous, of course. Quite preposterous. But no one will believe me until I can prove what it really is. Can't you do a DNA test or something? Certainly. I'll have the results by tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but you know, I can't afford to pay you. I didn't become a scientist for financial gain. Whatever little money you have will be just fine. Lisa says that she'll have the facts soon because people are just all hanging out in the garage. Like Homer's house has just now become like a, just a local hangout because people just want to be with the angel. Mm. Stephen Gould rocks up. The findings are inconclusive. Well, why'd you run up like that? I have to use the bathroom. They just yeah. used this gag in the Cartridge Family. Oh, yeah, you're right. I hadn't actually... I'd completely forgotten about the double up on that. I mean, it's a slight variation of it, but still. Well... It appears science has faltered once again in the face of overwhelming religious evidence. What? Go home, science girl. I am home. Good, stay there. Okay, folks, get your angel glow sticks. No one gets into heaven without a glow stick. I'll take four. Now we get to the moment between Lisa and Marge. Now, you wanted to discuss this at this point, which makes sense. Yes. So, let's discuss. So, 
So Marge is very tender the way that a good parent would be to, you know, their child's beliefs, whereas a child who has a harder time seeing something from someone else's perspective is very blunt the way that a child would be. So I feel like it works on that level. But by the same token, you also get these people that try to convince someone else that their belief is the true belief and they're just really hyper-aggressive and blunt and dismissive about it and that is kind of the per- the persona that Lisa, I think, is what they're trying to imbue her with here. Like, you're never going to do that ever. Like, you, you can't change another person's fundamental belief if you treat it as an argument and, like, well, you're wrong and I'm right and here's why. Um, I feel like whenever you're discussing these sorts of things, like, you have to have a kind of respect of going, okay... I can understand why you believe that, but here's why I believe this. And that's kind of where it needs to be left. And I feel like if you do that, you can actually have like a meaningful conversation. Whereas if you just go, you're an idiot, angel's phony, and science, 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 DNA, 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 the person that believes in angels is going to go even harder away from you. And you're only going to end up hurting their feelings and attacking their kind of belief system, which is what Lisa does here to Marge. It's, It's a really kind of emotionally brutal moment where a daughter turns to a mother who loves her and says, I think you're an idiot. Not in as many words, but that's what she says. I've got five vegans in my life, right? Five of my friends are vegans. One of them is my sister, actually. Yeah. And I feel like that's a process they all go through at the start when they first become vegans. Well, the five that I that I know. I'm not mm-hmm. saying all vegans are like this. But the ones that I know at the beginning are always very, you're a terrible person, you eat meat, you're going to die younger, you're unhealthy, you're the wrong, you're the you're a monster for eating meat, and yep. they have to slowly learn over time that just because you've changed your beliefs doesn't mean that everyone else has to, and it yep. doesn't mean that we're wrong and you're right either. And no. they slowly learn to just realize, okay, because we're not judging you for not eating meat, so don't judge us judge us for eating meat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they slow yep. they slowly have to learn that, <laughs> and Lisa Lisa yep. has to go through that in Lisa the vegetarian. It's a very similar thing. She does, and it's also a thing that if you were talking to a vegan. Who, like, I, I I work with a guy who's vegetarian, not full vegan, but he's very um, he's very blasé and no fuss about it. And because of that, I've actually found myself getting interested in what sort of things he eats and trying them and that sort of thing myself. Because it's like, oh, okay, like, it's it's just coming at it from a a nicer point of view, and it actually makes me more interested to share some of that experience. <sighs> My poor Lisa. If you can't make a leap of faith now and then, well, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Don't feel sorry for me, Mom. I feel sorry for you. Very patronizing. Yeah, like it's the exact same words, but delivered. one's delivered in a caring way and one's delivered in such a dismissive, judgmental way. It's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's the... It's just such a tender moment in the episode, and I'm really glad that they took the time to put it in. Like, there's no jokes at all within that couple minutes. It's just just getting into the spirituality of it. Well, it's what makes the ending so much better as well, the fact that we have this scene to begin yeah. with. But I think that uh, I'm you're able to judge Lisa as a character for the way she behaves here, because you said earlier, she's a kid, so she's behaving like a kid. The problem with that is that Lisa's constantly treated like an adult in this show. Uh, yeah, definitely. You could take it whichever way you want it. I, I don't give her the part personally i don't give her the pass of she's just a kid but um but you could if you wanted to it's funny like some kids out there are just extremely intelligent 
But if there's like a kid who's say under 10, they can be the smartest kid in the world. But I just find them as really, they just come across, they always come across really pompous. Is it just me? Or do they just have that sort of, I'm, I'm a smart kid and I know it kind of vibe? Do you get that some, when you watch kids? Some do. I get that if I ever watch home videos of myself. <laughs> I'm going to ask your parents what you were really like as a child. I know you like to think you were this smart, intelligent, fucking dismissive, mm. pompous little shithead. <laughs> I want to know whether you were actually the little Suki Lala that was crying because his sister or his, his friend wouldn't give him the extra cookie. Nope. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll tell you up a phone call with dad And we can I'll describe myself as a kid And then we'll get him to describe me as a kid And we'll see how accurate I am I remember the guy from work just like Yeah, he just sat inside and just played with his Ninja Turtles Yeah, I think you'll find that if anything I actually soften the edges on the description of myself as a kid Next on Smartline, the Springfield Angel Controversy. Our guest tonight making her 13th appearance on Smartline, Miss Lisa Simpson. Kent. The problem is, from that scene with Marge onwards, she just becomes really, really pompous. She becomes the kid I just described. Hmm. I wouldn't say she knows she's right. Well, she is. She, I guess she is right. But she just rubs it into everybody. She's so dismissive of everybody. She's just really, really rude. Yeah. But uh, so she... Uh, what Brockman says is ridiculous, though. So... How can you explain that this isn't an angel when it really looks like an angel? <laughs> yeah. But again, though, like, I think that it's a sacrifice they make to Lisa being a nice person. Like, as in, they, they turn her into a bit of an asshole, but it's to represent as much as I love him. Like, Bill Hicks, for example, someone that did a lot of stuff about religion, really, really blunt stuff about religion because he was preaching to his own audience. He's never doing anything to try to convert anyone. But when you're in a room full of like-minded people... You can be harsher and you can be meaner. But when that material gets out, I think that is the side that they were trying to um, be even-handed with here and go, yeah, sometimes people are assholes when they're advocating for their version of the truth. I did like, oh, Lisa, come on. We all know leprechauns are extinct. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're all watching it on the TV. For some reason, Mo and Flanders are all hanging out together watching it on TV. This was a great line from Flanders here. Well, there's some things we don't want to know. Important things. <laughs> As if to say, hey, we know it's not legit, but I'd rather put my head in the sand and believe that it is because everyone needs something to believe in. Yeah. Um, they didn't go to smash all these scientific institutions. The mammoth's tusk falls onto Mo. He hopes that science can uh, cure him, medical science. Lisa then borrows the crowbar to go smash the angel because she's had enough. She's just sick of the um, the hoopla that it's caused and all the... Um, all the Damage it's doing because people are so anti-science now as a result, and they learn that it's missing. Oh no, this can't be happening. What the hell are we gonna do with ten thousand angel ashtrays? I can take up smoking. You damn well better. We come back from commercial, uh, and Homer is asking Bart to strip down to his skeleton because he needs a skeleton. He needs an angel because how's he supposed to make make money now? He doesn't have the angel there. The town will walk in to steal it, and they realize that it's not there, so they immediately. You know, mob mentality, blame Lisa. She must have stolen it. Looks to me like Lisa Simpson found something science couldn't explain, so she had to destroy it. Well, that's all the evidence I need. Arrest the girl. <gasps> what? Hey, she didn't do anything. Give her a nice cell. Something in Seabock. We cut to the court case, and like, it just to me, it just feels like a waste of time. This whole, because it, it was just a reason to get them all the, all the townspeople in the one location out near the hill, really, wasn't it? Yeah, but it also goes from 
Well, the entire scene takes about 16 seconds. Oh, hang on, no, slightly longer. It goes from 1616 timestamp to 1657. Yeah. So, it's a very small amount of time. Well, this was based on the um the the monkey case from the 1925 or something. Oh, the entire episode was loosely based on that. Not so much just this trial. No, um, no, no, yeah. Yeah. The and the monkey case was for people outside of America, I'm not sure if it's a bigger story over there that might be common knowledge, but just a quick digression. It was basically in the 20s, maybe 1927, something like that. The teaching of evolution was banned in public schools and the ACLU decided to stage a court case where a teacher actually volunteered to be found guilty of teaching evolution just so they could publicize the case and make it a big media circus yeah. to be able to point out how ridiculous the rule was. Um, I did like the judge issuing a restraining order that religion must stay 500 yards from science at all times. <laughs> the world would be a much happier place if that was the truth, right? Um, but I think they do keep... Well, I suppose they, they'd still be able to send out tweets, so it wouldn't work. They realise that the angel has now been... In, uh, what was the word when you, use a, when you chip a thing into it, not engraved? Um, well, it's just got a message on it. We don't need yeah, but, but but like it's it's been chipped out of it though. What's that called? Um, chisel a message into something. Chiseled? Is it just chiseled? Okay, I uh, thought there was a, an actual term for it, like engraved. But I don't know. Anyway, oh, there, but yeah, there so probably it says is. The, but you and I, manual labour. We, no, we have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the end will come at sundown. Um, Wiggum, I'm scared, too scared to wet my pants. I remember this. I specifically remember that this line was in the commercial for the episode when it was an all mm-hmm. new episode. Um, Lisa's still skeptical though, because I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't she be? It's just bullshit, basically. Like anyone with half a brain could see this isn't real. I think, by the way, Dando, the word you were looking for is just engraving. But I thought engraving was just when you like in metal and stuff. No, that's because we have modern conveniences and don't use stone tablets these days. But they they carried the word over despite the fact that the material changed. Okay, fair enough. Cuts to the Reverend telling everyone need to be afraid and just trying to instill the fear because that's what they do. Everything's based on fear and mm-hmm. fear of what might happen. It was a really nice shot, though, of the, of the reverend here when he puts his arms out and he's in front of the angel. He, he sort of takes the same shape as the angel. Did you notice that? I did, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was hilarious that it cuts to the Pope. Your Holiness, there is word from America. They say an angel has foretold the apocalypse. Uh, keep an eye on it. I also saw that scene as the fact that the Pope just knows it's bullshit. Like, he's not even buying into it. Actually, yeah, that's a pretty funny way to take... Uh, a funny take on it that I hadn't considered, but that would be good. That even he's like, huh, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. There's no such thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, everyone is now preparing for the end of the world. Skinner and Edna. Edna wants one last little session of Nookie. Mm-hmm. Skinner has to do some tidy slips first. Yeah. Are we going to Black Angus? Yeah, the kid's off to the best steakhouse in the world, so we're not going to Black Angus. Lisa is still not accepting of Marge at all. She's just so dismissive. You know, and Paul, and you really feel for Marge here mm. because she's just she's clearly scared. Yeah, this is the bit where it would be. But again, you kind of need Lisa to not go along with it here to be able to set up the ending. But this is the bit where it hurts to see, really hurts to see Marge afraid and Lisa just putting it back in her face. The townspeople are all waiting by the angel. Well, shall we sing a hymn? Uh, Near my God to thee, maybe? Or, or, or Amazing Grace? No. Oh, Marge, don't let go. No matter what. If they want you in heaven, they gotta take me too. Ten seconds till sundown. 
We did it. We beat cancer. Uh, what the hell? I'm not sure if you could use that line now about we find we actually beat cancer. It just feels in poor taste now. Does it? Uh, like any more in poor taste than in the nineties? I don't know. I, uh, maybe because I'm older. I'm not too sure. No, and I've now I've now had people in my life who have suffered from cancer. I guess it sort of hits home a bit more. Maybe, but like they literally put photos of cancerous lungs on cigarette packets these days. I think if anything, that line's eat like more in the open now. And smoking is less socially acceptable than it was in the nineties as well. So I actually think that more people would be on the the approach of you know, looking down on them and seeing that as a stupid line. I guess just the idea of cancer being part of a punchline just doesn't seem right to me, but mm. if you put it that way, I guess, yeah. Nothing happens, though. Uh, Lisa, straight away, is going to be all smug, but then silence. And that, Now, the logistics of this makes absolutely no sense because for this to work, it would have had to have been attached to something the whole time. There would have been a big giant bar hanging yeah. above the, the angel. Yeah, very true. Oh, well, anyway. fishing wire. Real yeah. high tensile fishing wire. But it wasn't high. It was it was low enough for the guy with a, a broomstick to poke yeah. it. From a I know, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's great that Lisa even gets scared for a moment. There, she believed for yeah. a moment. Yeah, it's um, that thing of there's no atheist in a foxhole. That like when you're confronted with the most terrifying scenario, then you'll believe in anything. I remember like Nicola. She just doesn't like wrestling, right? But then we're this is probably this is two or three years ago now, maybe even more. Watching one of the old wrestling episodes, and she, for a moment there, she bought into it. And it reminded me of that moment where uh, like the, the person got like, the two count. They nearly got the three count. And Nicola's like, oh. And I was like, see? <laughs> see? It got you. They get you. <laughs> that was Lisa in this moment. Um, it was, I liked the reveal. I said earlier, it, it got me. Uh, it didn't get me this time because I knew how it ended. But I remember the first time, it just been long enough that at the, mo- at the time I remembered going, okay, well, that's, something's not quite right there. They're, they're, surely they're going to be up to something. But it had been so long from the start of the episode to now that I'd just forgotten about it. And I've just, because they've been so transfixed on this angel, I've forgotten how it even got there in the first place. Yeah, okay. I do love the guy push, just poking it with the broom. <laughs> just poking it out <laughs> of the way of the trees. Yeah. Um, and what, it's just going to hang out there now above the, the sign? <laughs> yeah, well, it was called the Heavenly Halls. Yeah, Heavenly Halls. They're going to have to somehow hills. fix it to the building, surely. They can't just have a pole hanging oh, well, out of the building. Yeah, <laughs> eventually, yes. So it's revealed, yes, there's a publicity stunt. Lisa Lisa thinks everyone should be outraged, but they're just not because discount prices. Yeah. Everyone loves a discount. Uh, this is the thing where I... Like, the, the last thing that this kind of examines is the the war between commercialism and morality. And quickly, people will bend their morals and their own beliefs to save a buck. Oh, 100%. We're actually having this discussion at work today that if you can, you should support local business. But it's like... Yeah, I want to go to like the local fruit shop, but that's owned by local people. But Coles has the apples forty cents cheaper per kilo. So Coles is an Australian company, so that might not be the best example. <laughs> but but, oh, I, but when I say local, I, I mean you mean it's like local. local, local. Yeah, I'm with yeah. You. But yeah, no, it's uh, but not only that. Coles also has everything else that I'm going to be buying tonight. <laughs> like yeah, I don't have to make three yeah. stops. But but there is something satisfying though about going to a local store, knowing you're probably paying a little bit more than you should be. But just knowing that you're supporting local business. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that just reminded me that All Press, the coffee brand All Press, do a keep cup. But it looks exactly like their gimmick is that it looks exactly like a normal takeaway cup. It's just that it's made out of, you know, plastic or, or whatever the keep cup materials are. 
And my friend looked at it. It's like, ah, oh, see, I don't know how I feel about that because if I'm using a keep cup, I want everyone to know that I've got a keep cup. I don't understand, Professor. Why didn't your test show the skeleton was a fake? I'm going to be honest with you, Lisa. I never did the tests. Uh, sir, uh, about that, uh, uh, that kiss, I, <laughs> I hope you understand it was merely a sign of my respect. Yes, yes, of course. Well, I guess you were right, honey. But you have to admit, when that angel started to talk, you were squeezing my hand pretty hard. <laughs> well, it was just so loud and... <laughs> Thanks for squeezing back. Anytime, my angel. The delivery of thanks for squeezing back was fantastic, don't you think? Yeah, it was. And anytime, my angel, I look, that's a slightly corny line, but I'll go with it. Um, uh, I it's, feel like it's, what, it's, ep- it's very Marge. So yeah, and the episode, the episode has earned it, definitely. Uh, and like the and the point of that is not that Lisa has believed in religion or started to believe, but it is that she has seen the reason for it. She sees the reason behind it now understands Marge, which is, you know, it, it, I, I love that, that it's an emotional about face, but it's not a logical about face. It doesn't change anything about Lisa's true beliefs. It just sh- gave her some perspective. It's actually very, very similar to, to the story of Lisa the Vegetarian with Homer and Lisa at the end. It it's is a little this, bit, yeah. Well, this one's least, less intense, the, the mm-hmm. argument between them. You know, Marge doesn't argue back with Lisa where Homer did, but the, the ending is still very similar. In that yeah. she finally understands and accepts Marge is allowed to believe what she wants to believe. Yeah. So yeah, all in all, I thought this was a really enjoyable episode. It's um, it's 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 just fun. I thought it was fun. Yeah, same. I I feel like it's fun. As I said, fun focused. It it is a really weighty episode, almost more than any Simpsons episode that I can think of in in dealing with these sorts of themes and being entirely about these themes. It's not as funny as a lot of other episodes are. It's not trying to be. It's just trying to deal with some really important theological and existential ideas. But I think the fact that it wasn't trying to be funny made it funnier in certain aspects. Yeah. Just so it has it had a lot of good one-liners, just sort of quick bits, as opposed to sort of long, drawn-out gags. It was very yeah. it was very fast it was very fast paced this episode. Yeah. You actually feel like if if the guys from South Park wrote a Simpsons episode, this would be close to what it was. Or if Tim Minchin wrote a Simpsons episode, this would kind of be what it was. And and there's no surprise that that means that I really, really enjoyed this episode. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, that it's remarkably easy to fake a skeleton. That is true. I learned that revolvers make very, very good amnesia rays. Oh, yeah, rather permanent amnesia. Men in black could use some revolvers, you reckon? Uh, because then if you're going around murdering people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that the uh, agents and, and like lots because they 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 do it to like hundreds of people at a time. Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! Mailbag time. What have we got this week, Mitch? We've got well, a little tease, firstly. So the end of the mailbag, or when Dando would normally ask me for some final words and I've normally forgotten to do it. We're going to play a song for y'all from one of our patrons, uh, who is, as he put it, Canadian music dude. Um, he performs under the name Blazer. But what I like is that his email is TJ Blazer, which is a double reference. So that's a reference to his uh, his mother's maiden name. But also, it, if I say TJ Blazer, does that make you think of anything in particular? No, I have no idea. What is TJ Blazer? So 
TJ Laser is a character from RoboCop. Is the like the action hero on the TV that the kid is like, ah. can you do that, Dad? And that's what inspires him to be able to learn how to like flip his gun around his finger. You um, you would appreciate that. You love oh, RoboCop <laughs> massively. Yeah, it's very very cool. What would you uh, do if I got you a life size RoboCop? I'd kick Ash out of bed. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that was all. It's just that he's got his first ever album coming out and we thought that we would share a little bit of love and share some share some of our things. So we're going to put a song at the end of this episode uh, from his new album and then we'll include a link to be able to get to his Bandcamp page and his Facebook page and that sort of stuff in the description. I had a listen, a little like, cool independent sound. I enjoyed it. Cool little independent sound. Yeah. Music, um, music reviewer Mitch here. Cool yeah. little independent sound. Yeah, that, that's... <laughs> That's all I know about music. It's either independent or it's a label. And it makes sound. <laughs> Gotta play it cool. James Fraser writes in with a question and something that he's noticed. Hi, guys. Love the show and thought I would tell you that uh, something that I noticed on one of the latest episodes. Mm-hmm. It was titled Daticus Finch. There's a scene where they're at, school, at a school play and during the shot in the crowd, there are two noticeable members in the audience. Us, apparently. Get the fuck out. No way. He reckons that we're in a scene in the school play. Well, obviously, that episode hasn't aired yet in Australia, so I'm not too sure. Maybe it has, but I missed it. So, what? Yeah. if you guys, if anyone out there has access to it and is listening right now, find where... Who's, who sent this email, by the way, Mitch? Uh, this came from James Fraser. Okay, so this episode that James Fraser is talking about, Dedicus Finch, Season 30, Episode 9. If you can find the screenshot where we're apparently in the crowd, or James, if you're out there, find the screenshot, send it to us, because I really want to see whether it's actually us or not. <laughs> yeah, because there's going to be a fat royalty check coming our Ooh, way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know who's going to get paid those royalties? Joel Simpson. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... <laughs> uh, so, what was his question? His question was, okay, so he searched for the Simpsons cookbook, but has had no success. No success. His question is, what would be the first thing we would try from any Simpsons cookbook? His would be the ribwich. The Good Morning Burger looked pretty good. Um, mm. Homer's Out of This World Space Age Moon Waffles, whatever they were called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caramels. What about Homer's donut that he covers in all the candy? <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty sweet, but difficult to cook. So I think yes. the moon waffles would definitely be my go-to because you can actually make that with relative ease. Uh, Nicholas Faye writes in, uh, he wants to know how we ended up for the finals this year, my uh, my cricket team. Unfortunately, Nick, my team lost by one wicket. The cr- cruelly tiny margin. Uh, the first, seconds, and fifths all had victories, though. So three of our teams did have a win. So you were the only team that didn't, or was there another one? Yes. Uh, well, the thirds didn't actually make the finals. So, okay. but we had four teams in the finals. We were the only one that didn't win the grand final. Oh well, second comes right after first. Don't forget that. Second does come right after first. Uh, <laughs> At uh, any point, did you think you were going to win? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that like ebbed and flowed, but yes, there were there were some moments we were right in the game, but it was always tense. Uh, we so- only made ninety eight runs, so we didn't have a lot on the board. But yeah. we got them to nine for ninety, I think, or nine for ninety-one, or something like that. We had number ten and eleven in, so two guys that were not their strongest batsmen who batted incredibly well. Uh, the over before we lost, one of the bowlers missed uh, missed the stumps by, jeez, I don't know, two or three centimeters. Like it was being being Aussie by bees dick, tiny, yeah, tiny, tiny margin. And so you lose that. You turn on your phone. Hawthorne loses the Bulldogs. It was not a good Sunday for you, was it? No. No, it um it was a bad weekend for sports. <laughs> it was a back it was a black day for Mitch. 
Oh, man. Oh, well, at least you got to the grand final. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Overall, it was good. It just was a bad way to win the season. At what point did you know? At what point was your Eddie Maguire moment where you knew he lost it? Oh, literally not until the final runs were hit. Like, it okay. was it was that close. It was an arm wrestle the whole way, and it, it could have gone either way. The whole It was just balanced on a knife's edge. How nervous were you when the when the guy was when the ball was running in? I was actually pretty calm the whole way. I was just, I, I mean, you're thinking as a captain in that situation, you're probably thinking of 15 different scenarios at any given moment, and then you're just trying to narrow in on the one that you want and then commit to it. So I was, I was fine once I was in the moment. The only times that I got nervous were overnight or in the lead up to the game starting. What what, what was like your your tune that you listened to on the way to there in the car in the car? I actually think I listened to the Empire Film Podcast. <laughs> Just, okay, not all uh, fired up or anything. <laughs> no, well, it was really bad weather as you would know on the weekend, so we didn't really know when the start time was going to be. So it's like it's going to be a waste of energy if I drive down listening to like one by Metallica, get out ready to go, and then I've got to sit in the shed for ninety minutes before we can actually play. Does cricket have like a final song, like a one day in September kind of song? Uh, well, they used to have Come On Aussie, Come On, but it doesn't really get played anymore. It doesn't, nah. But I remember when I went to the wrestling last October, there was a Melbourne wrestler who was fighting for the championship. And yeah. the whole MCG started chanting, Come On Aussie, Come yeah. On, Come On. It was amazing. Yeah. That's sort of, that for me, that Come On Aussie, Come On, it's sort of like the cricket equivalent of, That's the thing about football. You know that? <laughs> I fucking love that song. Yeah. <laughs> Final question. Shall we have a final question? Let's go one more. Why not? Yeah, because you've had that many internet dropouts that we've yeah. been talking for a lot longer than what the episode has been going for. Uh, yeah, it's, it's now Thursday. Yeah, it's super frustrating. Uh, I'm going to take this one from... Uh, this is a little sneak. So we're going to be doing a Patreon's only Ask Us Anything mailbag episode. And I'm going to suggest... I'm going to take one question from that one. Sight unseen to you. This is from Adam Moody. Dick nipples or nipple dicks? Nipple dicks, because it'd be less painful. Less painful to have a nipple for a dick. I mean, I would have one. I thought you meant my if, if someone else. Well, whichever way you want to take it. So I'd rather have dick nipples. That's that's more to share around. Yeah, exactly right. You got yeah. Now the thing with that is, would you have a full size dick on your chest or two of them, or would you have nipple sized dicks? I don't know what a full size dick feels like. So <laughs> yeah, um, it would be. Two full-size dicks on my chest. Two full-size ones, <laughs> like little handles. You could yeah. um, you could tie some rope between it and you drop, you know, hang something on there to dry if you needed to. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty great. I think. Um, well, I'd also, I'd also go with nipple, like you know, dicks for nipples. But in my head, they were tiny, tiny little dicks. <laughs> like just everything shrunk down to fit within <laughs> the space that my nipple fits now. Like that Jimmy kid in Willy Wonka. Was it Jimmy? The one that shrinks? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't... Yes. Well, not that I'd ever considered the size that his penis shrunk to, but yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> I'm just mean him in general. <laughs> uh, uh, shall we have one more? Because there's like 99 comments. Yeah, on there was thing. 99 entrants into that. This is, by the way, from our Ask Us Anything uh, podcast that we, in the Patreon group, we're going to start a monthly thing. We do Ask Us Anything and anything... It can be Simpsons related if you feel like it, but Ask Us Anything particularly non-Simpsons related, and we'll try and answer as many as we can in the time yeah. frame. Luke McKay, what is the Mount Rushmore of fast food items? Uh, KFC tenders mm. from the main franchises, yeah? Oh, well, just as fast food, so it could be anything. Okay, I, I just, I'd love a chicken souvlaki. Okay. Ch- chicken souvlaki, chicken souvlaki with extra chicken. That's okay, like my where's, go-to. I love where's it. the best one? Where, where's the best one you've ever had? Now? Where's the one I'm... you would drive an hour and a half for? 
now it's it's either I do love the, I loved the Texas ones for a long time, but now I love the ones from Wood Oven Pizza, which is just a few shops up on Mercer Street in Geelong here. Yeah, because they actually wrap it in a giant turkish bread. It's fucking incredible. Ooh, nice. They put like tzatziki sauce on it, and it's just all this. T- oh, um, uh, it's amazing. Just thinking about it just makes me happy. Yeah, it's so, so good. I- I've got two that I'm torn between to go with here. One of them is a deep fried burrito from Bank in Melbourne, which is on mm-hmm. Collins Street, I believe, uh, on a weekend. I think it was $20 lunch special for that and a pint of beer. Can't go wrong. Mm. And the other is the Chief Wiggum, a burger from Ferg Burger in Queenstown, New Zealand, that honestly, when I think of this burger, I legitimately jump onto Air New Zealand and think, if I could get $200 flights return, it would be worth going there for this burger again. It's <laughs> it's the best tasting thing I've ever eaten in my life. It's a slow roasted pork belly, lettuce, tomato, red onion, hash brown, aioli, and an apricot seeded mustard. Sounds pretty good. It's fucking fantastic. And it See, all one thing, like one, one thing like the hash brown reminded me then of when when I was in America, it's like in a staple to have potato chips on burgers. Mm, yeah, is it? It's, it's very common. And Nicola, if we have burgers, we make burgers at home. She always puts potato chips on them. I never... She calls them crisps. It's just what they do. Yeah, right. I never came across that, but that's interesting. Yeah, we went to the... Like, is it Guy Ferrari? Guy, Guy, he has his own TV show, Guy Ferrari or something like that. Kind of like the... Um, yeah. Just one of your TV chefs kind of dudes. And yeah. um, you, got, you had a place in Las Vegas and we went there. And like, yeah, I got a chicken burger. And it was just full of potato chips. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but it was delicious. Yeah. Interesting. But anyway, they're my two. So if you're ever in if you're ever in Queenstown, go to Ferg Burger. If you're ever in Melbourne, go to Bank. But let's let's think of the main French main franchises. Mount Rushmore, KFC Tower Burger, Tower Burger. What's on the Tower Burger? Is that two pieces of chicken? Uh, no, it's also just a hash brown. So it's um, chicken hash brown. They have it has its own particular sauce that it uses, and it's a limited like it's always on limited runs. They never keep it at the menu. Um, the KFC Double is also pretty good, where it's basically. A burger, but instead of buns, it's chicken. I've never experienced that. I've always wanted to. Is it amazing? Oh, it's it's everything that you wish it would be. <laughs> I feel like it'd be very messy to eat though. Your fingers would just be a greasy mess. No, because it's got a kind of nice little, almost like a souvlaki. It's got a little tear down bit of um, alfoil paper thing wrapped around ah. it. That you can just rip off as you go. Bring that back. Yeah. You could probably make it. You could just order two fillets, put some cheese between them. Anyway, that's it. That's it, That's it for the mailbag. Alrighty. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our review of Lisa the Skeptic. Next week, we've got Realty Bites, which is, I believe, the last speaking performance from Lionel Hutz. Not Troy yep. McClure, though. Troy McClure does appear in a post-mortem appearance in Bart the Mother, I believe. Yeah. Very good episode next week. It's the one that Mitch reviewed in his book. You um, oh, In our book, I should say. It's mm-hmm. the episode where you said, you sort of described what you went through when you found out that Phil Hartman had been murdered. Yeah. And how it really affected you. Yeah. I think I'd actually read an excerpt for that on a podcast quite a while ago, but I really do love this episode. Obviously, I mean, I reviewed it. It's one of my favorite ones and the, the most uh, impactful for me in this season. Known for introducing us to Gil Gunderson. Correct. Good old Gil. Yes. It's got the uh, please don't tell people how I live. It's got the, the truth and the truth. It's got so many great moments. But anyway, so that's next week. Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Just the latest track from Blazer's new album. Turn it up, guys. It's some cool independent tunes.
I'm sorry, Josie. I'd love to meet, but it's getting close. Thank you. 